With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is Harvard Handicappers here on Tuesday, January 23rd. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel flying solo for a short slate today in the association. But before we get to... Uh, Very short and interesting card. We have to start with the news of the day, and that would be a trade prior to the trade deadline. The Miami Heat have acquired Charlotte Hornets guard Terry Rozier for Kyle Lowry and a 2027 first-round pick with some protections on it. Uh, And it's a a pretty decent deal here for Miami, who has been struggling offensively throughout this season. Uh, Injuries have been part of it, but it is a, a deal that really helps out a team that has been Missing Jimmy Butler sporadically throughout the year, had missed time with Taylor Hero, and gives them a another scoring presence on a team that actually has three 20-point-per-game scorers. So, what are the many ramifications of a deal like this for the Miami Heat? I mean, the market would tell you that there is none. And this is the boring part about trade deadline season from a betting perspective is, more often than not, there's not real value to be had or to find post-trade deadline because the adjustments are made or sometimes they're not moves that are really impactful from a betting odds standpoint. Take this deal, for example. Terry Rozier goes to the Miami Heat. Well, they were 40-1 to to win the NBA Finals beforehand. They're 40-1 to to win the NBA Finals right now. And Rozier does help. I mean, if you look at the numbers, this is a Heat team that when you had Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero all together, they were plus 7.9 points per 100 possessions or outscoring opponents by those numbers. But their offense only averaged 116.5 points per 100 possessions. That's good for the 55th percentile. That's not really good enough. And so if you're going to have those three on the floor to add a guy like Terry Rozier, which is going to help your offensive output, it is very good for the Miami Heat. But it's not a move that would affect the betting market. And frankly, I don't think it's a move that a better like you or like me or like anybody else should run to act on at this point right now. If you felt a certain way about Miami, whether it be that they're a play-in team, they're plus 115 to participate in the Eastern Conference play-in, whether they are an Eastern Conference contender, your feelings should generally remain the same at this point right now. He does help. He should improve their offensive efficiency when he is out there, especially with their big three. Their floor probably uh, gets lowered a little bit here in terms of their defensive efficiency as well with him out there. But it's a solid move, but one that shouldn't really impact anything. And so from a betting perspective, hate to say it, it's actually kind of a boring and uh, uh, not really a big mover, at least for me, when it comes to acting on a move like Terry Rozier going to the Miami Heat. But we'll see if that really does. That could be eating my words here. Uh, I do like it. Again, I think it's a positive. The Heat are going to save in terms of uh, luxury tax. I think it's like $15 million, and they get a trade exception out of it. So that's really going to help them out, too. Uh, The Hornets, on the flip side, are going to work to move Kyle Lowry to another team before the deadline. Um, But he's got $29.6 million on an expiring contract. That's going to be hard to move. So I would assume he becomes a buyout candidate once he gets bought out. There are a couple of teams that could pick him up. But remember, because of the apron exceptions, there are certain teams, like we were texted about this, like the Suns could really use a Kyle Lowry. 
but he's not going to be available for them considering the apron restrictions on the buyout market. So where Lowry ends up could be pretty impactful for some of these teams that are looking for depth at guard. Um, I don't think like a, a team like Milwaukee would be able to get him either. So we'll see where he eventually ends up, but it would be, I think pretty hard to see a reality in which Kyle Lowry is shipped off somewhere and is going to help a contender when it comes to the grand scheme of things in the NBA finals. So Good trade, fun trade. I can't wait to see what Terra Zero looks like for them. We'll see if that's going to uh, to happen, but that's going to be something that could be, mm, I think, minimal in terms of impact. We also had some news come down earlier today as well. Uh, this is about like 7 o'clock Pacific time or so, uh, but the Indiana Pacers did reveal that uh, Tyrus Halbert is going to miss the next three games to manage a hamstring injury. He's going to be reevaluated on Saturday. So as we know, Halliburton suffered that um, hamstring injury back on January 8th against the Celtics, missed five games, came back, had 21.17 assists this last Friday. It was a loss to Portland, but then didn't play on Sunday. And um, looks like it's because of this injury to the hamstring. So Halliburton is going to be out. Interesting move here because actually earlier today, he had been listed as questionable. So this thing comes down and you get to see now uh, the impact of this and the Pacers who just got Pascal Siakam are now struggling a bit here and scuffling as they have lost four out of five games and just acquired uh, their guy in terms of Siakam, but he's not going to be able to play with Tyrese Halliburton for the foreseeable future. So big news there as well. We'll see if they can recover from it. Uh, I think that as you look forward for Indiana and what their schedule looks like uh, today, a tough one, you get to play host to the Denver Nuggets. And after that, up until Saturday, they actually have a jam-packed schedule. Denver today, Philly tomorrow, uh, excuse me, Thursday, and then Phoenix the next day before Sunday's home game against Memphis. So maybe circle Sunday, January 28th for a day that Tyree Talapunton could come back. Uh, that's going to be an early 12.30 p.m. Pacific time start on Sunday. Going head to head with the divisional playoffs is a very smart thing to do, um, but we'll see if that is going to be impactful. But these next three games, I mean, you could see them take it on the chin because these are some really highly rated teams that they are going to take on. Uh, all right, before we get to the other card too, or the, the card itself, because I didn't have much; it was a short slate, and definitely wanted to talk to you guys uh, and at least get a play in and, get, and give you Zach and Kelly's place and um, and get out of here on a short episode. But you know, we like to go back to last night and. Uh, last night was a tough night for me, a good night for Kelly Bidlin. Kelly, uh, in the first battle royale here uh, on the uh, Harvard Handicappers podcast, took out Zach Cohen, took out me in head-to-heads in different matchups. So a good night for Kelly. And a good night for anybody on the pod is a good night uh, for the podcast as a whole. But last night, one of the things that I really sat down and watched was the Suns taking on the Chicago Bulls. And it was a big matchup. And I get it, like, you know, 70 points for Joel Embiid, 62 for... Carl Anthony Towns, but from a betting perspective, I think the focus I wanted to look at here was Phoenix because yet again, I come in and for the four straight game, I bet the Phoenix Suns play five with them. They come storming back in this matchup against the Chicago Bulls. They end up scoring 66 points in the second half, end up winning 115 to 113 on a Kevin Durant uh, buzzer beater, if you will. Um, I can't remember if it was with no time left or with like a second left or whatever it was. Uh, but regardless, Kevin Durant with two just oniony buckets at the end to give the Suns the win and push them up to 25 and 18. And this has been so frustrating to watch. And frankly, that game was frustrating to watch because, you know, that was one where I was really focused on, got to watch at the sound, got to watch the broadcast and just so much of the first half broadcast included, by the way, um, was just bitching and moaning and complaining and, and trying to draw fouls and, and asking why they weren't and not focusing on what was transpiring on the floor. And, 
the Bulls got out to a hot start. They were shooting extremely well, started 7 of 14 from three-point range, uh, were absolutely just nailing threes. They finished 7 of 23 the rest of the way to finish 14 of 37. Um, their cold shooting in the second half for the Bulls uh, really ended up kind of killing them. But boy, oh boy, was it disheartening to watch. And a bad game for Yusuf Nurkic yesterday, too. Uh, 8.7 rebounds, but his plus minus, he was minus 15. Drew Eubanks had a really good stretch in the third quarter where he comes in and really sparks this team. Had a very good night overall. Uh, Drew Eubanks did 10 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Was a big part of their comeback, especially in that third quarter where he came out and went mano a mano with, um, with Andre Drummond. It was brilliant. But, but zooming out here in big picture, and maybe this is going to be a flaw, in the way that I am viewing this team. But man, like this is a team that, again, if you watch this second half where you watch them absolutely erupt on offense, when you see that Kevin Durant, after an entire night of just shots hitting the front iron and not going in and, and looking absolutely abysmal, all of a sudden in the second half to come out, hit the buckets that he does and lead this team to a win. And in that second half for Phoenix, we're talking about a net rating or uh, we'll go with an offense rating in this game. Uh, but for Phoenix, in this game to come out, a 146.7 offensive rating in that second half, it just leads me to just refusing to kind of quit on what this team could be. And I still think that this is a team that is worth buying on. I think my experiment of kind of betting on them game to game might be drying up here because they're just they're not really good enough or consistent enough. I shouldn't say good enough. They are good enough. You see it in these second halves. They're not consistent enough to cover these numbers consistently. But you see it in these second halves, and I think I see what I want to see when it comes to this team. By the way, a 20-flat assist-to-turnover ratio last night was nuts. Uh, but a really frustrating, I thought, result. The, you know, night aside, right, in terms of, like, you know, the Hawks weren't even really in it, and uh, the Mavericks were not really in it. Like, they were kind of there, but they, they were trailing by double digits throughout the, the second, third, and, and fourth quarter. This one was frustrating in that, again, similar to what you saw in that Kings game last week where – Everything you bet on flashed for a half. It's just that it was just the second half, and they needed that flash to end up winning the game. But everything encapsulated in that little flash, if they could just do it for an entire game, much like they did against New Orleans on Friday, this could be a really dominant team that covers these numbers. So kind of out on the jury. In or the jury's still out in terms of whether I want to continue this experiment for Phoenix. Uh, but I, I do feel a little jaded because you can kind of see it. You see it coming, and they got a big one coming up uh, tomorrow. Going to be on the road against Dallas. So a fascinating game for the Phoenix Suns, who are winners of six straight. We should point that out. They like they've won six straight. They're starting to climb here a little bit in the standings. I would very much still push if anybody, like I'm pretty tied up in the Western Conference. You know, I've got this uh, Timberwolves ticket for those who have been listening since the beginning of the pod, right? Uh, hopefully some of you have it too, but this Timberwolves ticket at 30 to 1 to win the Western Conference. Um, obviously, the, the Clippers at 30 to 1 to win the NBA Finals. I don't know if I want to add another team. The, uh, the 76ers, obviously, in the in the Western Conference, or excuse me, the Eastern Conference at 27 to 1, but I don't know if I want to add another Western Conference future, but I do think that there is value in 13 to 1 or better on the Phoenix Suns to win the NBA Finals and by extension to win the Western Conference. Because I do think, again, going back to my preseason thoughts, this team can be very, very good. Um, they just got to put it together. And with Bradley Beal healthy and this team finally starting to put some stuff together, uh, maybe it can actually happen. So we'll see. But there is a, um, at this point right now, a very firm, we'll call it a firm ceiling, not a hard ceiling, but a firm ceiling between the five seed, which is currently the Phoenix Suns, and then the four through one seeds, in the West, the Clippers sit there three games ahead of the Phoenix Suns at number four. And then there's the Nuggets who are one and a half games ahead of the Clippers then a half game separating Oklahoma City and Denver and then Minnesota. So all of these teams within about a game and a half of each other, two games uh, in the top four. 
And then there's that really kind of somewhat firm line between the four and the five seed in the Western Conference as it stands right now. But Phoenix has some upward mobility, and I think that I'm still buying into them potentially being a threat in the Western Conference. All right, let's take our break. We'll come back. We'll analyze a very quick and uh, short card in the NBA before we get you along your way. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. First game on the board, Denver Nuggets on the road against the Indiana Pacers. Ties into what we talked about to start the show. The news that Tyrese Halliburton is going to be done for the foreseeable future. So we're starting to see this number climb. or upwards of five and a half at some spots uh, with the total currently sitting at about, let's see, what do we got? 237 and a half, 238, depending on where you shop. Uh, this is the only bet for me today. Denver Nuggets, minus four and a half. Uh, I think it's playable to five now that Tyrese Halliburton's not going to be out there. But look. Indiana has two games with Pascal Siakam, and the statistical returns are great. Yeah, as I noted at the beginning, we'll say it again, Pacers a plus 11.2 net rating with Siakam on the floor. So it's been, it's been positive, right, through two games. Having said that, it's a minuscule sample size, and I think you're running into a little bit of a wall here, figuratively, in the Denver Nuggets, kind of literally, though, only because the Nuggets obviously have, I think, a lot of different things that they have the advantage in in this matchup. Denver starting lineup, 127.4 points per 100 possessions, a plus 14.2 net rating, taking on a defense that is currently 27th in non-garbage time, giving up 120.9 points per 100 possessions. Their overall strength on the glass, I think, is going to be really big here against Indiana. Uh, Indiana is 23rd in overall rebounding rate, grabbing just 48.8% of available rebounds in a game. Uh, Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets are upwards of 5th at 51.4%. And then you just look at the on-court matchups, which is 
all right, in terms of Pascal Siakam defensively and what you're doing, do you put him on Aaron Gordon? Do you put him on Michael Porter Jr.? Which forward matchup do you want to try to eliminate there? More than likely, you're probably matching him up with Aaron Gordon. Uh, but either way, that's more of obviously an, an off-ball type of deal where Siakam is going to be more impactful as a help defender. But even then, he's not really shutting anybody down. Aaron Gordon's got a physical skill set that he can uh, post uh, Siakam up and kind of beat him up physically. And then on the other end, there's not much that uh, Michael Porter Jr. have to worry about. But I don't think they're going to have Siakam chasing him around screens. There's no real defensive matchup for uh, Jamal Murray that you're going to put on him. And you're somewhat small at the small forward position where Aaron Neesmith, who's been starting games for you, is about 6'6". Small forward is 6'10 for Michael Porter Jr., right, and the Denver Nuggets. And overall, it's just a big size discrepancy. Like from small forward on, Denver's got a really big advantage. You've got Contavious Caldwell-Pope to take on some of the better backcourt matchups. And now that Tyrese Halliburton's not out there, uh, you can sick him on whatever guard is going to be leading the way here for the Indiana Pacers, whoever's got the hot hand. I just think there's too many things that go in favor here of the Denver Nuggets. So late four and a half. Again, um, there's the fives out there now with the news that uh, he, Tyrese Halliburton, is not going to be available. I still think that those are plenty playable as well with him not out there. But I still see a couple four and a halfs out there shaded to the favorite side if you want to go in that direction. But I do think that this is one where you're looking – to go out and play the Denver Nuggets. So again, plenty of four and a half out there actually too. Of course, if you're out in Las Vegas, Circa still got four and a half or other jurisdictions that have Circa and whatnot. So give me the Denver Nuggets tonight against the Indiana Pacers. All right, next up, New York Knicks, Brooklyn Nets. Uh, interesting, we're starting to see some market resistance, it would seem here. Knicks got upwards of about a five-point favorite. Uh, plenty of four and a half and fives out there. Now, Isaiah Hartenstein has popped up as questionable. Now, Brooklyn does not have a dominant center position in any way, but uh, this is now cluster injuries, right? If I say a Hartenstein, who's been awesome on the glass, who's been playing extremely well for New York, is not going to be available. You're already down Mitch Robinson, as we know. So you're going to get pretty thin at center for a Knicks team that does, of course, really dominate the glass and center is a really big position for them. So if Hartenstein can't go, you understand that in terms of knocking this down about a point, maybe a half point. But I just think when you look at the issues that this team, and when I say this team, I mean Brooklyn, has had um it's bad and obviously you wonder too from a spot standpoint how this uh, nets team responds after giving up a 22 to nothing run and losing the way that they do it at the los angeles clippers over the weekend uh it's going to be a pretty fascinating situation but if you go back to december 13th they were on the road brooklyn was in phoenix they got a 116 112 win since then they have just three covers over that span 315-1 against the spread the brooklyn nets are over the last 18 games it's just abysmal. It's not a team that's worth backing at this point right now until they start to show you stuff. Um, and I just mean like anything, right, at this point. And it does seem like it's a team that is on the verge of breaking up. They are a team that is a candidate to start selling off pieces. Spencer Dinwiddie is not in a good place in terms of the way that he's playing at this point right now. And over this stretch that I'm talking about, Brooklyn, 4-15 uh, and 15 in their last 19 games, uh, a negative 5.4 spread differential or failing to cover by 5.4 points per game and a negative 6.4 net rating. All things point to Brooklyn coming in and probably laying an egg against a New York Knicks team that really thrives in these moments, right? Beating up on lesser competition, uh, being able to win and cover, and of course, not really a true, uh, truly challenging road spot going from uh, New York to Brooklyn. I'm not the you know biggest East Coast guy, but I I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there's not much of a, much of a travel issue there when uh, you're going from New York to Brooklyn to play the Barclays Center. Next up, Portland Trailblazers, Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, I think this is pretty easy one to scratch off here. 13 and a half in favor of OKC at this point right now uh, in terms of the total. 
currently sitting at about uh, 233 and a half. Nothing really like uh, nothing big to kind of take away or really bet on here from an injury report standpoint for both of these teams. Uh, pretty clean for both teams. Uh, for the Portland Trailblazers, the big name, of course, is Shaden Sharp, who is not going to play in this matchup against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And in terms of recent form, uh, hard to really get off of the Thunder train if you've been on it for a while now. Still covering at a 68% clip. They have had the last two days off since going on the road and taking on Minnesota and getting a really strong win as a three-point underdog at the Target Center. So rest, no real look-ahead spot. It's a front end of back-to-back, but they're on the road against San Antonio tomorrow, so it's not like you're looking ahead to, you know, a Suns or a Lakers or a Clippers or, you know, any power that is. So Thunder should be pretty focused to come in here and take care of business. Maybe you want to go first half uh, to not um, – you know, leave the back door open if they're up and they call the dogs off and you get the scrubs in to go up and down the floor and get you inside of a big number. Uh, but no real big takeaway here for Oklahoma City and Portland. Next up, Utah Jazz on the road against New Orleans Pelicans. Six and a half the number right now, currently at multiple shops. The total currently at about the 239, 239 and a half. I had nothing here, uh, but of course, our resident jazz, I guess like, do we call him like our jazz pianist? Um Zach Cohen, who loves the Utah Jazz, uh, is in here on the Utah Jazz today. It's part of his article over the website of Eason.com. Uh, part of the thinking here, too, is Jazz haven't played since Saturday. Pelicans haven't played since Friday, as he notes. Uh, but you shouldn't really see tired legs from, out of the, from either team. But the Jazz kind of being disrespected by the market. 15-6 and six straight up, 16-5 and five against the spread in their last 21 games. Seventh in offensive rating, 13 in defensive rating. And as uh, he notes, Jazz 21 and six against the spread versus Southwest Division opponents over the last two seasons, and 25 and 13 against the spread when avenging a loss against an opponent in that span. Pelicans won and covered when these teams met New Orleans on December 28th. So, Jazz plus six and a half for two units. That would be one of two bets for Zach today. I should also note that he's also got a, a little bit, a little mini ladder here with Shea Gilders-Alexander, over one and a half steals, minus 130, and uh, alternate three or more steals at plus 215. Those are the two plays for Zach here today. And then last but not least, Los Angeles Lakers taking on the Los Angeles Clippers. No LeBron James today for the Los Angeles Lakers. Clippers, of course, uh, had four days off, played Sunday against the Brooklyn Nets, laid kind of an egg at the beginning of the game, but then stormed back the 22 to nothing run, and then win and cover in a dramatic fashion against Brooklyn on Sunday. So with a day off, I think the Clippers are going to be pretty ready for this game. The injury report is clean for them. They took one on the chin when they last played the Lakers in that matchup on a Sunday. Uh, it was kind of a sleepy spot. It's about a five-point favor when the Lakers were home. Um, I put air quotes up for anybody who couldn't see that. And without LeBron James on the floor, you really got to ask what you're going to get here out of this Lakers team. Statistically, throughout the entire year, uh, they have been a pretty below-average team without LeBron, a negative 4.1 net rating without LeBron James on the floor in those minutes. So that's going to be expanded with Anthony Davis out there. Uh, in terms of pace and frequency of running, that's going to go down. Transition frequency is only at 13.4% in the minutes without LeBron James on the floor. That's in the 17th percentile, 25.9% off of live rebounds. That's 20th. So I think this is going to be a, probably a little bit of a slower game. I think that uh, the Clippers are good enough on offense and – playing well enough and of course have a good enough three-point shooting game they're leading the league in three-point percentage that they could go over their team total of 120 but 
could understand anybody wanting to play this thing under no real strong opinion, but I do think the Clippers are going to be pretty focused. This is right where I made it, actually, too. The number right now is currently sitting at, let's see it, double check where we're at. Yeah, 13, no, excuse me, not 13. Uh, let's see, nine and a half. I made it just about 10. So right where I made it, small bit of value on, on some of the shops out there laying nine, so I wouldn't say no to laying it with the Los Angeles Clippers, but not a big enough edge to be worth playing tonight. All right. I'm going to get out of here because uh, the Longshot guys are coming in to record here today. So make sure you check out Longshots. Make sure you check out. We have everything up on the website of eason.com. And if you're not, if you're listening to this for free, first off, kudos because free stuff is awesome. But if you want to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber, sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. I will give you 10% off an annual subscription. How about that? Just use the promo code LIVE, L-I-V-E, promo code LIVE, and you can get in an annual subscription with 10% off. Best Bet Recap. For me, it's pretty easy. Just the Denver Nuggets, minus four and a half. Again, I do think that uh, five is a playable number. For the other guys, Jazz plus six and a half. For Zach Cohen, is, uh, SGA over one and a half steals and SGA over two and a half steals at plus 215. And I think a whole lot of nada from Kelly Bidlin is I have not uh, had a number at all. All right, we'll take, uh, take our leave and that's it. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. The subscriptions always help. The downloads always help. And we will talk to you tomorrow here on Hardwood Handicappers. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.